Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is demonic possession? Can it happen to anyone? What does it take take to get rid of the quote-unquote demon? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 395th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those discern, or disconcerting, not discerning, huh, disconcerting maybe questions, that uh, maybe that too, disconcerting questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. But before we welcome our guest, let's do our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, what is considered the most haunted restaurant in Las Vegas? Well, the first to get that one right was Carl Solier, or Solier, I guess, from St. John, New Brunswick. It's Carluccio's Italian Restaurant in Las Vegas. People report minor poltergeist activity, odd things seen and heard, the occasional apparition. It all sounds like routine space-time displacements to me, but who knows. Oh, it sounds quite haunted. But this week's question is, on what day in 2011, <coughs> excuse me, did five different commercial aircraft pilots report UFO sightings over India? So get that right and win a copy of Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, my dad's most recent book. And we do welcome callers this evening. The numbers are locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, or from anywhere in the United States of America, 401-449-1240. Now, our poor guest is still waiting here, but I just wanted to say something very quickly. Uh, Of course, as you know, Unless you've been cut off from the world, we have been the victims in the northeast here of terrible storm, uh, this Hurricane Sandy of last week, and what we wanted to encourage you to do. Hey, did you hear there was a, an earthquake in New Jersey? What? Well, it wasn't like anything huge. On but top it, of everything else? Yeah, there was an earthquake in northern New Jersey. I hadn't heard that. I usually follow that sort of thing. The east is a very earthquake-prone area. Our guest is from California. Maybe he can say something about that, but it's off topic. But uh, it wasn't anything serious, I, I hope. Uh, no, it wasn't anything had, super um, serious. I'm just saying yeah, there was an well, earthquake there, too. I remember the 87 earthquake. I was I was in the newsroom with the Providence Journal, and uh, everything was started to shake. But anyway... This is uh, in reference to our websites. We have redcross.org links for you to donate. I know here in Rhode Island, we, our coast had enough trouble as it was, but if you are in a position to um, to donate anything to the Red Cross, including clothing, uh, go to redcross.org, and uh, they'll tell you where to do that, or you can uh, simply make, make the phone call to the number there. I don't have that with me. but Or you go to any of our websites, BehindTheParanormal.com, NewEnglandGhosts.com, even NewRiverPress.com, and you'll see uh, the links to the Red Cross uh, donation site, and that would be appreciated very much. Uh, also, we ask your prayers for Gary Osborne, a very good, dear friend of ours and a guest on the show several times, uh, a British expert in consciousness research and a number of other things, uh, who had surgery today. And we ask your prayers for him. Uh, we hope to have him back on the show very soon. So with all that in mind, we want to welcome our guest. Uh, this evening we welcome back Jack Rourke, author of the new book, The Rational Psychic, A Skeptic's Guide to Extraordinary, uh, Extra Sense- Wait a minute. A Skeptic's Guide to Extraordinary Perception. I'm getting old. Jack is a real renaissance man, Hollywood producer, recognized paranormal investigator who has appeared on TV and radio internationally, a well-known psychic, and much more. He has always impressed us with his compassionate, human, and down-to-earth approach to the subject. And we haven't found um, that to be too common among investigators. 
Jack has worked with several other paranormal experts well known to our listeners, especially the parapsychologists Dr. Barry Taff and Andrew Nichols. They have been uh, on, there have been even uh, television document docu- documentaries about Jack. Excuse me, I'm all tied up tonight. He has worked with possession and exorcism cases, and that will be our subject this evening. His website, by the way, is www.jackrourke.net. That's R-O-U-R-K-E, jackrourke.net. So, Jack, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you must, as a Californian, you must have appreciated that weather forecast. You've probably heard when we came 20s and snow, huh? No, actually, I missed that, but, you know, today it's... Uh it's about 90 degrees here today. It's November, oh. so the fall is my favorite time of year, and, and we are just not getting enough of it here anymore. Wow. Okay, yeah. well, back to uh, Ben. Take it away. All right, so let's start off with something very, uh, well, not super simple, but it's very eloquently put. What is possession? Well, that's interesting. I mean, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, you know, from a religious perspective, um, you know, possession is the loss of one's will and intellect to uh, a diabolical force, literally being possessed, being overtaken, where the evil um, inhabits you and and you live its will. Um, this is something that, you know, has been talked about for thousands of years, and it's been, uh, this invisible evil has been blamed for any number of things. Um, so that would be the simplest explanation. Well, we tend to think of it sort of as, um, sort of like influence. Would you call it that as well? Or would you just call it like straight up possession, like a demon in, or whatever? The subversion of the will, that's pretty strong. Well, yeah. there's... there's um, there's a distinction between what's called obsession and possession. Yes. And it's important to understand that possession occurs, uh, it's an ongoing process. It's not something where you, you blink and then you're possessed and, you're, and then you blink again and you're not possessed. And so it's believed that um, what happens is, is that, you know, uh, there's, there's kind of a, a courting period where one begins to allow their needs to be met in one regard or another through a, a subtle energetic relationship with, uh, we put evil in parentheses, um, and, and this then can lead to what's called obsession. Or, you know, and think of, think of any kind of obsessive, obsessive behavior, whether one is obsessed with, say, anything that would be considered morally or ethically unhealthy, pornography, drugs, alcohol, abusive relationships, um, and this kind of this obsessive obsessive phase can last years. So let you know from what I understand, what I'm told, what I've researched, or months. Um, it depends on the degree to which one does or does not accept responsibility for for their will. So is there a certain amount of participation on the victim's part, victim in quotes? Hmm. Well, that, you know, that is at the crux of the question, isn't it? And I'll tell you, um, Malachi Martin is a Jesuit priest who wrote the book Hostage to the Devil. He himself was an exorcist, and he's very clear in his writing that 
and he says no person can be possessed without some degree of cooperation on his part. Um, and so, you know, I would take that step further and say conclusively that a person, unless they're mentally ill, and, you know, you now keep in mind I'm talking from the point of view of not saying whether this phenomenon is real or not real, um, but the experience is certainly real. What people experience, what they witness, obviously, is real. The nature, talking about the nature of the phenomena versus the nature of the, um, or rather defining the phenomena experientially is not the same as identifying distinct, distinctively what the cause is, you know, but the experience we can agree is real. Um, and so with that, the, the individual, the victim, in quotes, um, is always, always intimately involved with the situation because it's their subjective reality, their sense of self, their way of experiencing and creating their life, which is obviously dramatically affected. And so, and and with resolving such a situation, there it's, it's accepting accountability, accepting responsibility, accepting the, to reclaim the seat of one's own power, um, that is the essential aspect um, of the healing process. So, yes, there is there is an accountability, there is a participation of the individual. You mentioned something very interesting in, towards the beginning of your statement about um, mental illness. And we, we tend to think that mental illness tends to connect with the paranormal a lot and how it opens certain doors in your mind from the different chemicals that are reacting in your brain and neurology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So where would mental illness come into play during possessions? Well, Ben, there. first thing is there's not a reality and then a paranormal reality. There's not a paranormal something and a non-paranormal. Something is paranormal when it's, when it, when we, we have an inability to define it um, by using standards that are scientifically, you know, replicable, or or that where we can we can look at something and measure it and predict its outcome. You know, paranormal is just a, is just a it's a way of describing something. It isn't it isn't it is it isn't it is yeah. it is a way of describing. So um, when you think about possession and you know whether or not it's quote paranormal, it's paranormal in that the behaviors, the disposition, the experience of the individual is other than normal. It's other than observably normal behavior, oftentimes. Sometimes, however, people, they can, they're claimed to have been possessed for years or, or under obsession for years and lead quite normal lives. Um, but what's interesting with respect to mental illness and illness in general is Hippocrates, you know, the, the father of modern medicine, he began as an exorcist. So think about that. Hmm. You know, here's someone who is attributed to, you know, you ever hear of the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm? You know, the person who's the founder of modern medicine, and yet his, he began his career as an exorcist, meaning he looked at things he didn't quite understand, and he attributed them to a evil force because of the, because of the observable consequences something that was undesirable, and then he used the tools that he had at hand to to try to remedy the situation. And when 
whether, no matter what we're talking about in the paranormal field or the perception of paranormal things, you know, people use paranormal vocabulary when they don't have the, vo- the vocabulary to or the or the ability to describe things in, in conventional or scientific ways. And so, you know, looking at this fellow, we can we can imagine him coming across a mentally ill person or someone that seemed to be victim of something he didn't understand. And so, you know, the only way that he could affect um, the individual would be through some kind of spiritual power. You know, an invisible force required him to call upon an equally or believed to be more powerful opposing force. And so, and with that, you know, he would engage in, in, uh, in exorcist-type rituals. So I think that's a really interesting thing to consider. So is there a difference or a distinction between mental illness and, and possession? You know, arguably not. You know, arguably, you know, modern-day, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists are using, are still treating, quote, possessed people, only they're using uh, different terminology to, to diagnose and explain the experiences of these people. Now, academicians aren't going to say that there's a, they're not going to attribute the afflictions to evil spirits, per se, but, but as just strictly speaking as an observer, they're treating the same, they conceivably are treating the same illnesses and the same, the same experiences that their patients are having. Um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, folks are now diagnosed with, like, you know, uh, dissociative identity disorder or um, intermittent yeah, explosive disorder yeah. or, or Tourette's or any variety of things, you know, that people once attributed to, to evil spirits that now we understand there's a pathology um, that, you know, that needs to be looked at and, and corrected, and, and then, you know, we move forward from there. Well, you know, it's very interesting that the Gospels make a distinction between possession and mental illness and even even epilepsy what we would today call epilepsy i always found that interesting how many cases have you worked on that involved what you believe would be quantifiable as possession jack well here's the thing paul is that you know my personal belief system is that there is no such there and and I want to be really, really careful how I, how I phrase this because I want people to understand. When we speak about evil power or good power, light and dark, God, the devil, that kind of thing, we're talking in absolutes, right? And so, well, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not, but I'm just saying generally people are. So uh, what yeah, I, I think, say, yeah, generally people are, yeah. Yeah. So what I want to say is, is that, you know, it, to say that someone is, I, I look at the experience someone's having, and I can say, yes, I can see, I can understand, I can empathize, I, I see I see your suffering, right? But for me, to, for me to, to agree that there is a power that can be held over you, by my to say, yes, there's an evil power, and this power is, has a hold over you, what I'm then doing is I'm then creating or co-creating the experience that there, there is an evil that has power. And I don't, I, I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that to be true in my experience. I don't believe that to be true in my heart. Um, and so what I, what I look at is I see people who are suffering, because I'll be honest with you, eight or nine 
out of every 10 people that contact me, you know, for some kind of haunting or some kind of affliction, it eight or nine out of 10 times, there's some underlying complaint about being possessed, spirits trying to possess me, spirits trying to get a hold of me. Yeah, we get that all to, the time, too. Of course you do. And it's because people don't understand the nature of their own mind, their subjective experiences, and at underneath, they're, they're feeling victim. You know, so, it, you know, there was, um, I was reading an article recently, and they were talking about this, uh, this exorcist in Warsaw, and he does 20 exorcisms a week. I was like, are you serious? Nah, I, I know who you mean, yeah. Yeah, 20 a week. And then, you know, of course, in Italy, you know, it, it, there's some sections of the country that are just as hysterical. I mean, this is, it, it's ridiculous. And in, in a way, we have to look at it, too, and say, are we so significant? Am I so important that there's some devil out there that's out of everyone else, everything possible thing that he could be up to that he wants me? I don't think I'm that important. You know? All right. Well, uh, let me share a little bit about my own experiences. Now, these occurred mostly in the 1970s and that that time when I was a student for the priesthood and so naturally yeah. had the predisposition to look at this theologically. Okay? Sure, sure, sure. And there are theological implications to everything, certainly. But I can say that I worked on ten knock-down, drag-out, quote-unquote, possession cases that ended in exorcisms, three of them on the same person. These were in psychiatric hospitals, which mercifully now are closed, Ogdensburg State Hospital in New York and Norwood State Hospital in Connecticut. Yeah. And all very hush-hush. So working with a priest, uh, and um, I-, I can assure you that there's something more there than just a, a person who was mentally ill. Uh, for the reason that the first thing that we would look for, and we would be called in by, by doctors when they just could not uh, arrive at any other explanation, and they threw their hands up, things were happening on the far side of the room, things were flying through the air that the person had no control over, no one was there, you know, that sort of thing. And that's one of the first things that we would look for, are things taking place outside the person. Now, of course, looking back on it, I think that, the, of course, as you mentioned, the ancient Greeks, this stuff takes place in some form or other in every culture, at every period in history, regardless of the theology involved. Uh, and you know our our theories. Uh, I, I believe that what I was dealing with were not servants of Satan or demons. They were parasitical entities that, uh, and I never thought that they could completely subvert the will. I, t- I tend to agree that they would uh, uh, get so much power over a person through bonding. It was like a sick love relationship. There, I agree with that, yeah. You know, and, and there were there are many, and, and time and time again, we've run into this sort of thing that did not reach the stage of what would traditionally be called possession. There is right. obsession. There's also oppression. Uh, and these these entities are fascinating creatures. I don't think they're spirits, and you know the whole thing. I, I actually did I had a physical fight with one in the Bridgeport case of 1974, where, where there was poltergeist activity in this house, and they, and they were trying to, the other people were involved were trying to get a, the bishop to agree to an exorcism, and, you know, just, it just wasn't good enough. So uh, I, I think that there certainly is a force, and it doesn't, if, if you're food to a, a particular species, you're important. 
and we apparently are among the food sources of these parasitical entities. And you know what I often think of, Jack, is 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 that line from, and I'm I'm always saying this, that line from um, Bram Stoker, you know, where uh, Count Dracula, you know, is it Jonathan Harker comes to the door for the first time of the big castle in Transylvania, and and Dracula says to him, "Enter of your own free will." Yeah, you know that's an important thing that he had to do. He had it was he accepted it with his free will. So, I always found some sort of tacit agreement on the part of the victim. And you know, very often, and maybe you've seen this too, they love the attention. And we always say, you know, if this thing feeds your ego, look out. But there, there was one case in right here in Rhode Island where there was a woman who was utterly convinced that this thing that was after her was a lover from a former life, and all the spiritualist stuff comes in. And it was a darn parasite trying to get something to eat. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with these things is that the longer they spend, att- I found anyway, the longer they spend attached to people or, or attached to our particular parallel world, you know, uh, is that, that they, they forget their own origins. They become frightened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found in exorcism ceremonies, there was one uh, awful experience where I was addressed. I, I was one of two people holding this person down. And I was addressed in what later turned out to be perfect melee, the melee language. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time to find out what it was, because the priest wrote it down, yeah. uh, saying something very, very personal about me, my father, and his death. Mm-hmm. That um, well, I, I, I just, it, I start to sweat just thinking about it. This thing knew all about this, and 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 they will push buttons in order to feed off you too. So that's my experience with these things. I hope I never have another one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, w- what's your experience with these things? Well, um, you know, my experience has been working with people who, you know, who believe they're possessed, who report that they're possessed. I mean, you know, the eruption of, you know, psychokinetic activity, um, you know, threats and swearing and vulgarity and, you know, thrashing, you know, all that, all that sure. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, the interest, the thing that, the thing that, that um, the thing that's interesting, though, is that even you know, including the xenoglossy and the and the things you know, the psychokinetic activity, you know, all these these things that we that are recognizable paranormal phenomena. It's just the question is, is that you know, how do you attribute them to something that's indivi- that's invisible? You know, we know that you know the psychokinetic activity is is mitigated by the sub the will the subconscious. You know. It could be projected uh, as well. Uh, I beg your pardon? It's possible that it could be projected as well. Well, the, the, no, it, it, yeah, so that's what I meant, being mitigated. It, it, sure. It, it is, it is, it's, there's, a, there's an interplay, but we are not separate from the environment. Exactly. And so when, you know, it is, psychokinetic activity is the, is the physical manifestation of energy projecting from our environment and affecting the, or excuse me, you know, uh, from the mind and affecting the environment. <laughs> so, you know, what... You know, we, the way that we personally experience, the fear that we experience, perhaps, in, in connection to witnessing such events causes us to, um, to go to, you know, a theological interpretation of the event sure. when, when we have no real way of, of discerning, okay, this is a spirit doing this versus this is a person who is unwell and their, their symptoms are presenting in a paranormal way, you know, i.e. xenoglossy or, or PK or something like that, you know, so, um, or, you know, incredible strength or, you know, the, the, the interesting 
it, it, you know, it's a very, it, it, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal thing, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying one is one is right or one interpretation is right or, or one is wrong, because at the end of the day, the only right course of action, the only right path is the one that alleviates the suffering of the person at the epicenter. That's true. You know, yep. so, um, you know, what I found is that sometimes that, you know, when you, when you take a more spiritual approach, and, you know, quite frankly, it's the only approach that, you know, I ethically can take, um, since I'm not a psychiatrist or, and I'm not a priest, you know, um, is that, you know, when you, you, you make a connection with someone in a way that covertly sort of validates their own, their own beliefs about the, about their experiences, and then you slowly influence their understanding of it, and it's like you have to slowly kind of take back, take back their, their trust and, and their will to let go, because I think you're, you're, I think there oftentimes there is a bit of a collusion in the, and sometimes in the theatrics of it. And there, and there does seem to be an enjoyment sometimes of, of being the center of attention, yeah. having this power over other people. And we have to wonder, you know, is it some kind of sick secondary gain by someone who is just, you know, acting out and, and getting attention, negative attention? Or is it something else? How do you, how do you discern? You know, um, and but at the end of the day, like I said, is you know, when it results in a healing, then that's really all that matters. Oh, that's true. Okay, well, we're going to take a break right now, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Bain Eno on WOON twelve forty AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Garrow, the host of PRN's Garage Pass, where I keep you up to date with all the latest NASCAR racing news. Garage Pass can be heard right here on WOON every Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 735 and is sponsored by Simon Chevrolet, 114 Fortin Drive, One Socket. Remember, Simon Chevrolet is always open online at simonchevy.com. Garage Pass, Simon Chevrolet and WOON One Socket Radio, a win combination. Owen Radio, Owen and we wanted to remind you about Amazon Kindle, which is now exists in several versions, and of course, gift-giving time is coming near. So we point your attention to the Kindle Fire HD. It's larger, it's an HD, of course, a high-definition experience. You can get up to 22 million, probably more now. Publications, games, apps, movies, television programs, really, really amazing thing. And it's not all that expensive. The, the high end, you can pay as much as $4.99 or you can pay as little as $1.19. And books, of course, include my books, four of my books anyway, uh, on, uh, and including the one on Rhode Island history, which might be of interest to many of our listeners. Rhode Island, a genial history written with Glenn Laxton from Channel 12. And also, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, and Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And I always drag the poor guests into this. Jack, is uh, your, your book, Rational Psychic, available on Amazon Kindle? Oh, ab- absolutely. The book, the, uh, the Rational Psychic, debuted October 1st as the number one ESP book on Amazon. It's also the number one book in parapsychology. It became the, it became the number two bestseller in all parapsychology books on Amazon. It's sold out in advance in Canada and the United States, uh, but it's available now, and it's, it's 
absolutely there. It's doing extraordinarily well. Thank you. Outstanding. Very good. And I do recommend it. It's a great book, and we had a great show on CBS with, with Jack uh, on that book, too. And you can check back uh, BehindTheParanormal.com for a free podcast of that show. Uh, it was only a few weeks ago. So, okay, well, let's return to our subject then. Uh, uh, Jack, we were, um, of course, talking about the, the issues of possession. Now, uh, I um, began to broaden my own point of view on it after the seminary years and uh, I, I really have to agree with much of what you say uh, it is different you know but my intimate experiences with some of these parasitical entities including physical uh, in one case a physical conflict with one trying to protect a little girl really convinced me that um, there is something here and and and, and Andrew Nichols whom you know uh, Dr. Andrew Nichols marvelous parapsychologist wonderful guest love, love to have him on the show We've gone, we go round and round about this because I often think, you know, with the greatest respect to those who actually have the degrees in parapsychology, I don't think they've actually run into a lot of this stuff over the years. Maybe you have to do it for 40 or 50 years. I don't know. But with the greatest respect to them, um, I don't know if they really have a lot of personal experience with this. I mean, what say you? I mean, what, uh, you, you've worked with these people. What, uh, what my thing is, is the, the difference between you know, sort of an academically trained person and someone who maybe is religiously oriented or religiously trained is that academicians are, are as part of their training, they're, they're, they, they learn how to objectify their experiences, meaning they take their emotions out of it and they, and they view something in strictly on what its observable merits are. And so, in with saying that, is they you could t- I believe you could take a scientist and you could put him in the exact same room as a theologian, and they're going to have they're going to come to different conclusions. Yeah, you know, as yeah. to what what the nature of the phenomena is, because it's the same thing as if you take a Spanish speaking person and an English speaking person and put them in the same room and say, you know, describe this this flower. Well, they're going to use two different languages, but they're at the end of the day they're saying the same thing. The difference is which language evokes an emotional response to you. The Spanish is going to have no meaning to you, and likewise the English will have no emotional you know, connection, won't resonate with the Spanish-speaking person. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's, that they have, it's the lack of experience. It's, it's objectivity. Well, uh, and, and it's the ability to, to understand the underlying neurological, biological, and psychological causes that can manifest these same phenomena. But we don't know those causes. And if they say they do, they're lying. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, well, but we, don't, we, we know very little about our own minds. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree with you. But I think that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because of my age. <laughs> it seems like, you know, I've spent my whole life questioning these things and running them through the ringer. And, you know, there comes a point where if you want to help someone, and I agree with you so deeply, that yeah. compassion really has to be the bottom line here mm-hmm. in helping people. That there, there are just some things that eventually you just have to accept. Um, I don't. Maybe you disagree. But maybe you, there are times you, I might disagree. But um, do you have to accept that there's some devil out there, or oh some no, 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 invisible, some invisible spirit that that can attach itself to you? I mean, is that something that is 
is that an absolute reality? And that's what we have to. I accept? believe. I believe that yes, it is not a devil, and not in the theological sense, but in the natural sense, like a mosquito or something else. I think that we have to accept the um, the idea, at least, as many do that we're dealing with parallel realities all the time and that you've got other kinds of creatures and it's all part of nature and as crazy as it may sound that don't necessarily have the same theology we do you know, and, that, and that they they do have to do something we do and that's eat and that is what I've found over the past 40 years because you could be wrong about these things that doesn't mean that I'm right you know you can do things wrong for that period of time but I just and if, you know, if someone carries a thirst for pornography or they carry a thirst or a hunger for, uh, you know, alcohol or abusive relationships, are they not responsible for that hunger? Or oh, I see what you mean. Oh, absolutely. I think, and, oh, no, see, I'm not disagreeing with you on, on 90% of what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, oh, personal responsibility is very important. It's something that isn't stressed that much these days. And I've seen, you know, 999 times out of 1,000 people use this as an excuse even even when you if you look in the in the rational psychic a skeptic's guide to extraordinary perception I, I spend a great deal of time you know breaking down i think two or three uh, three two or three chapters maybe talking about one particular case and the instance you know of possession and and how we can we can come up with these these experiences and feelings and sensations of something something looming over us or trying to take control over us and things like that how we can how we can Feel and sense these things, and then also how we can we can sort of recover um, from this. And it really is about taking responsibility for ourselves and owning our own emotions, because in in within each of us, we all have our shadow, those split off aspects of ourselves that we refuse to allow ourselves to feel, ourselves to feel. And what I found again and again is that we are def- we are our 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 authentic self is defined by our unique needs and deepest needs and wishes and sometimes our needs and wishes are so repressed or so um, ignored that they they come back and they're they're constantly working to integrate themselves back into the ego back into the the conscious uh, our conscious identity and as we keep you know kind of rejecting and rejecting and rejecting these things you know they they stay with us and they plague that's part of our healing that's part of our uh, part of our evolvement as as you know spiritual beings is to is to embrace and move through and own all of what who we are and i think that sometimes by splitting off these fragments and denying these shadow selves and labeling them as threatening things uh, these parasitic type things we're actually denying ourselves an opportunity for for real self empowerment. Now, I'm not saying that people should go out and you know embrace the devil. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that these these you know if you ascribe to the idea that there's these paranormal uh, sentient entities out there that can attach themselves to us and 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 sort of you know satiate themselves in some way, I think you're denying a certain level of responsibility really? for your own being. Let, um, let, me, let me put it this way, Jack. We, we maintain these things are part of nature. So in other words, uh, and, and I actually saw this happen when I was in the Coast Guard. If you go swimming off a ship in the middle of the Caribbean Sea, yeah. sharks are going to come. So unless you deny the existence of sharks, you're going to have a problem maybe. I think it's, 
you know, I mean, we, we can talk about the psychology and the nature of consciousness all we want, but I think there's a certain amount of just plain old survival of the fittest here, nature kind of at work. If you go walking in the mountains where near where you live, you may have a problem with mountain lions or bears, I would think. I don't know. where. Maybe you live in the middle of L.A. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you see what I mean? It's the same thing. Our world is not is bigger than we think it is. I mean, anybody who's worked in this field kind of gets the impression that there's more to the world than meets the five physical senses. And uh, all I can th- throw myself upon the mercy of my experience and that, you know, week in and week out, for year after year, decade after decade, I've seen this play out. Now, maybe I've convinced myself this is what it is. But what, but the bottom line for me also is helping others and applying these particular natural theories to what we do helps people. And they never get back into trouble again in, in many cases. And it's simply because you bring in positive energy to fight off the negative energy, so to speak. Love is really the most powerful thing there is. Families come together, people come together, they realize they have the power to control their own lives, and these things just back right off. So I, I don't know, I just, I, I just cannot see a- any way of looking at the argument that would deny the existence of these particular natural, although unusual, entities. Well, the only, the, you know, you're not to propagate an argument, but the only, the only thing well, is... Well, why not? It's a talk show. What the heck? Yeah. The only thing is, is that what you're describing, there's no way to, to distinguish that these parasitic entities are independent from, from you or me or whomever, you know, so, um, how, you know, how do you, how do you prove oh, that? Oh, you, you just hit on something very important. They're not distinguished from us, but they're not distinguished from us because I believe that, all, as did many of the ancient cultures, I mean, really ancient remote cultures, you know, that when you talk to shamans from the traditions of the Nicobar and Andaman Islands and the Indian Ocean or, or the Australian Aborigines or the Cree of northern Quebec, they will tell you, too, that we share the lives of everything. It's only the Western mind that has kind of categorized and pigeonholed everything. Our life is a shared life. We are individuals, but as such, we are reflections of the whole and vice versa. And so and when you really get into this, uh, our philosophy on this th- that provides some of the engine for how we approach it is that these entities are us because we share the life even of the parasites. And uh, th- th- that does a lot of interesting things for theology and philosophy and everything else. And we approach this and say, you know, you can deal with these things by dealing with yourself and your own problems, partially. But love has got to be the basis of it. So you're right. Yeah, so in, in essence, you know, in, in, in many instances, perhaps these experiences are, you know, manifestations of the shadow self and, you know, trying to integrate it back into the whole. Um, well, it's, it's a shadow self in the sense that you at some point in the multiverse are me or are Ben and and uh and that that's quite literally true in concrete reality according to our interpretation of quantum mechanics and its roadmap of reality. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, I mean so maybe it could be wrong, but I don't it seems to work out every single time. 
But I mean, you, you, uh, going back to our last show on CBS, which many of people listening now didn't hear. Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting in your experience as a, you were talking about your own experience on, I believe it was the Queen Mary, which you, you were in, involved in investigating that. And yeah, we was, didn't get a chance to finish that story. Yeah, we didn't. No, we didn't. Uh, and you saw a person coming toward you and then the person disappeared and then someone came out of the gangway and said, Oh, did you see that guy or what? You know, that sort of thing. You, you yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, there was a security yeah. guard and he was actually following, um, following this person and he came through and he said where'd the guy go we saw the same person from different angles yeah but here's the thing is it again you know what the rational psychic does uh it's a skeptic's guide to extraordinary perception so what it's doing we're talking about just understanding the nature of perception not defining what the perceived thing is per se and so you know in, in saying that is that information is the evidence suggests that information is stored environmentally. And so, mm-hmm. given and that... And non-locally, you mean? Environmentally. Is that, the, is that the same thing as non-locally? In other words, uh, memory and imagination and, and this sort of thing. I, I, maybe, maybe I lost you there. Okay. The evidence suggests that information, the, 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 the vibrations, the emanations of our, of our heart, Information is this energy that we that we give supply meaning to. Okay. Okay. So all all vibrations of energy are impressed within a fabric of reality, and our five physical senses selectively perceive these things and, and organize within a certain bandwidth information and create an illusory physical reality. Okay. So you're and talking so, about residual hauntings, as the term popular term goes. What I'm talking about. What I'm talking about right now is just that information is impressed within the environment. How? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but you're because because nothing is ultimately physical. The fabric of reality is a, is 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 a fluid uh, sea of vibration, and that our our five physical senses perceive a certain bandwidth. You, if you just say bandwidth for lack of a better term, and then in that is created basically a holographic reality. All right, ah, and so I'm with you. And so what happens is certain pieces of information fall outside of the range of our conscious experience. But what happens, particularly with with the Queen Mary story, if you remember correctly, and I'll, I'll revisit it really quickly for your listeners. Is that I was I was I was working uh, on a on a, a lecture tour with my colleague, and she was talking to a crowd of thirty or forty people, and she and I were dating at that time, and I was very very protective of her, and so I it was relevant to me that she not be interrupted, and so I perceived this person walking into where we were, and he was walking where he shouldn't be walking. And it would have interrupted. So, yeah, my, this this person, that energy of that person, the disturbance he would have created would have affected the person I cared about, the person I was protective over. So my conscious awareness was able to receive that information because it was need relevant. The security guard who was following this this energy on a path where he wasn't supposed to be it was need relevant for him to perceive this person because it was it 
was how he made his living. And so what, ha- what, I'm, what I'm getting is there's, 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 a, there's a confluence of things going on here, but the point is is that when there is no reason to, to, to believe that this person was even sentient, was even conscious, it's just that our brains, our, our awareness, because of need relevance, was able to animate the information that existed in the environment at that point. And hence, it resulted in experience. Now, let me tell you, is that there were 41 other people standing there. No one else saw a thing. Mm-hmm. Only he and I. What we had in common was need relevance. I, I see what you mean. No, no, the, yeah, well, the holographic universe idea is a, a very, is one interpretation that, that's come out of quantum mechanics, and I, was, you know, very much respect that. Um, so, again, we, we really just just don't know. So, let's get back to our original topic, because we're almost out of time here. Uh, Jack, were you to encounter a case with someone that traditionally might be attributed to possession? Yeah. Stuff's flying around the room. Uh, weird things are going on. The person speaking in strange voices and all—all all this stuff that that really does sometimes go with this. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, what I what would I do? Well, well, do, do, do you has that ever happened to you? Do you work with others on this? Uh, you know, in you the know, sense of I, if if I encountered someone who was who was that ill, I I think that. I would, that's not something I would tackle on my own. Oh, absolutely I, not. No. I feel like it would, it would, and not because of being afraid or, you know, whatever. Well, it's being realistic. That, uh, being realistically, I feel like it would, it would make me vulnerable to, you know, um, like legal consequences. To be, you know, oh, yeah. No, you have to think of that today. Yeah, yeah to be perfectly frank. Absolutely. Um, you know, but, you know, I would, I would probably, um, the course of action I would take is, you know, a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists don't want to deal with, with people who think they're having these types of experiences because they just, it's outside of the scope of what they do. That's why they called us. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had someone just recently, uh, and he was a friend of a friend, and my book came out, and he had no idea even what I did, and he read my book, and he goes, I had no idea you did this. He said, you know, my sister... She would speak in foreign languages, and things would fly around. He goes, we had her committed. He goes, will you come to my house? <laughs> and I said, well, when did this occur? And he said, 10 years ago. And I said, was well, there anything happening now? He said, no. I said, well, what do you expect me to do? You know, but, um, you know, so, you know, it, it is, I, my personal opinion is that people who suffer this, whether you, whether you call it, you know, um, whether you look at it religiously or you look at it scientifically or, you know, it's that there's something, the person at the crux of the problem is in crisis. And I think that, you know, I would have to evaluate my, uh, realistically, um, whether I would be able to affect the situation positively or whether I would potentially, you know, maybe do some harm. Or maybe, or maybe even encourage something that maybe should be discouraged. You know, so I would, right. I would, I would, I would, I would immediately seek guidance um, and and go from there. That sounds yeah. very sensible. Uh, yeah. You know, I really cringe, and I'm sure you do too, 
when you hear of these, you know, sort of self-appointed ghost hunting groups, a term that I can't stand, frankly. Yeah. And they have the, the self-appointed demonologists, you know, who comes yeah. along and really doesn't know anything. And they really have no training or no anything. And even if they did, it, I still wouldn't be comfortable with it. And I just, I just cringe to think of what the damage they can do or the damage they can even do to themselves. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that I think they're thrill seekers. Yeah, you know, and by you and by validating an experience as, di- as diabolical, they're they're setting themselves up as the rescuer, and they're giving themselves an opportunity to to uh, you know unconsciously and, and perhaps exploit someone. Yeah, that, know, that's true for their that's own true. experience. Sure. Well, that's the thing. Well, in fairness to that group, there are many, and we, we very seldom have any of them on the show because I just don't take them seriously. But there are many yeah. who are sincere seekers after truth. You know, they've had perhaps an experience. You know, the the biography of people of that um, uh, interest kind of always begins with, "Well, I was interested from a very young age," or "I had lived in a haunted house." I mean, that doesn't. I mean, you might be interested in brain surgery. It doesn't mean you can do it, yeah, or should. Yeah. So, uh, so one does rather take them with a pillar of salt at times, but yeah. it is an extremely dangerous thing. And I think Jack and I would both certainly agree to advise people not to get involved with something like that. And you know, the thing too that always upset me, Jack, was that people think the clergy, particularly priests, are trained to deal with things like this. Yeah, they're and not. they're not. Yeah, they're uh, I, I think there's there's. Um, I was about a year away from ordination, but I was told that. You know, like just before you're ordained, uh, there's there's a word or two on this, uh, or you know, go to the diocesan exorcist, which there's supposed to be one in every diocese, but it's all you know, hush hush naturally. Yeah. And uh, this sort of thing, and even they, I've known several of the exorcists in the dioceses uh, in this area, and they have um, inevitably been very narrow in their point of view. Uh, didn't want to hear any other point of view, such, such as you or I may have. Talked about this evening, and, and you know it's it's just as destructive as not knowing anything, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you have to trust that their intentions are good, but you know that. Well, heaven, you know. heaven help us, you know, save us from people with good intentions. <laughs> Jack, before before we end, I wanted to give you a chance to, again to mention your book and your website and what you're working on, and go for it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the book is the Rational Psychic: A Skeptic's Guide to Extraordinary Perception. And anyone is interested in psychic phenomena or, you know, it's really, it's really for you because it, it, it helps you identify the psychic signal from the noise within your brain. And the noise could be those things that are emotionally troubling you or environmental influences that seem like haunting type phenomena or ghosts or demons, however you conceptualize them. But it really will help you cut through that and get to the core where you can perceive, um, credible, objectively verifiable um, extrasensory information. So it's the Rational Psychic, a Skeptic's Guide to Extraordinary Perception. Right now, you know, I'm leaving at the end of the week to go film up in Northern California um, for a case that we believe, I think is airing on Sci-Fi in February. And then I may, we're in negotiation, I may be leaving 27th to early December to do something for A&E. Great. Um, and, yeah, we're just out there. Um, trying to keep it real, as kids say, and, and, and help to be entertain people and teach them a little something along the way. Well, that's the thing, you know, producers approach us all the time, and, and I say, aren't you sick of the, you know, the, the, uh, duh, did you hear that kind of approach to this? 
They said, yeah, but you know, I don't know if people are ready. I, I don't know. I think people are really ready for something as intelligent as, as you can bring to them. So I, I'm really glad that you're, you're going to be working on those projects. Okay, we still got a few more. How many? What do we got there, Mr. Producer? We have about four minutes. Okay. <clears throat> Let me just ask a final quick question. Okay. What would your advice be for someone who feels they may be possessed? I know it's an awful question because we get all the time people who think they are. What would your advice be for a relatively rational person who thinks that, you know, something's weird in the neighborhood and they got to call somebody? That they, they personally feel there's something They personally feel there's something evil. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's really something. You know, I, you know, first off, I always advise, um, you know, contacting a, a local counseling center that's low cost or no cost. They're always out there. It's important for people to to have a sounding board um, and to really, you know, kind of get a fresh perspective. Um, because I, what happens is, you know, people who I found who find themselves in these circumstances, they become a little self consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, they they forget that, you know, they haven't cornered the market on suffering, um, and that there's other people that have that have gone through and struggled you know, through certain issues or certain things. Um, and it's important to, to check in with someone who's qualified, who can help you identify um, and then and then resolve how you feel. You know, we mm-hmm. think that everyone everyone's in touch with themselves emotionally, and that's just not true. That's right. You know, the key to all spiritual healing and arguably physical healing is having a deep and authentic emotional connection with yourself that's tempered by reason. So we want to check in with someone and, and, and see if they can help us identify how we feel and, and where we are in our life. That really should be the starting off point. Very good. Okay, Jack, uh, I certainly agree. Thank you so much for being with us. We, we've never met you, but we feel like you're a good friend, and we're always it's always a pleasure to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Paul. I, I Likewise, for sure. Very good. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Okay, Jack Rook, everybody. Okay, we got uh, just time for announcements, I guess. We do. Uh, watch for news on the Necronomic Con Providence, the HP Lovecraft convention set for August 23rd through the 25th of 2013 in Providence. And we'll be keeping you updated on that, so you can check for more stuff like that at www.behindtheparanormal.com. Okay, and don't forget also nearly 400 free podcasts of the shows. And uh, if you're going to buy my books, please do it there because it will help us keep the podcast free. So many thanks to our producer, Ben himself, again, doing a fine job here at the studio. Thank you. And next week, November 12th, uh, Ben and I will host an open line show to catch up on that ever-growing stack of emails. So on our regular CBS Radio Edition, on November 11th, our guest will be ghost researcher John Tobin for a rare appearance on the show by the head of a ghost hunting group. As a point out last night, really, it's not really a ghost hunting group, but it'll be an interesting conversation. I'm well, sure. his approach is very unique, and that's yeah, the only reason so. why yeah. we're having him on. So, if you have questions for us, or for our guests, get those emails in now. So, Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com, or Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com. And given what's going on in the good old USA tomorrow, we leave you with a very important thought from President John F. Kennedy, and it applies to good people in every nation. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. So thanks for sailing with us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. 
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.